This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Uh, as always, uh, so many things to talk about. Uh, you know, the president is out on a campaign trail. So is Joe Biden. It's getting exciting. It's certainly getting exciting. Well, the big news, of course, again, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com to uh, follow uh, to everything that's going on. Get your daily email. It's called the Daily Wink. You can go there, ProAmericaReport.com. Big news is earlier today, the president was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize there at that moment. Uh, the heads of all the mainstream media exploded and they went wild. Of course, um, I doubt there's any chance the president will win. It's the second time he's been nominated, but it certainly is appropriate. And insofar as it um, gets attention on the fact that there has been some great successes in the world, it's a very good thing. I mean, it's a very good thing. It's a fair thing. The president, what the president has done in the last couple of uh, six months or so in terms of peace in the Middle East, in terms of stability in the world, it's really great. So, uh, you know, I think um, well-deserved. Uh, he won't win. Uh, but you, again, you're watching everybody go crazy in the media, and that's uh, kind of fun to see. The other thing that what you need to know right now is the polls have changed. You're seeing it. Again, I, I, I got to go back. I have to go back and re- remind everybody. I've, I've said this before. When you've been involved in certain ways in certain things, you know things better. It's like when you play baseball as a boy, you learn how baseball works. And when you watch it, it's different. I wasn't really a soccer player. I played a little bit growing up, but I didn't play much. I don't really understand the rhythm of soccer to watch it, you know, to be involved. But when you run for office, and I have a couple times, and the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say this, you get a sense of how campaigns work. And if you work on campaigns and watch them closer than just normal, you get a sense of how they work. And here's what you know. Here's what you need to know right now. In campaigns, there's moments where you realize the momentum is going one way and you're just kind of stuck with it. You're stuck with that direction. And right now, if you're watching closely, you see the momentum is going Trump's way. How do you know? Well, if you know to watch polls, but polls are really lies right now. They can't, the pollsters can't figure out what's going on. So you have to watch kind of coverage. So there was a story a couple days ago, two of them, one in New York, New York Times, I think, and one in Politico, about how the suburbs are suddenly in play. Joe Biden doesn't know how to win the suburbs the same way he thought, and basically Trump could win the suburbs, primarily because of law and order. Or yesterday, there was a story that in Miami, the Democrats are scrambling because they're worried about the, the numbers. Uh, yeah, Biden is still winning Miami-Dade County, but by like 15 points less than Hillary won it. How can that be? You're seeing these stories. The president said something like, you know, Joe Biden went out to Pittsburgh. If Joe Biden's got to go to Pittsburgh, he was born in Scranton, you know, a couple hours away. What's the problem? You're watching all these polls, Florida polls, all these things are changing directions. And of course, Joe Biden is not exactly an energetic candidate. And so you, what you need to know right now is that the, the campaign has changed. It's changed dramatically. I don't um, see how it changes back. Again, in campaigns, what you know is at a certain point when a campaign has a certain rhythm and a direction, in order to change the rhythm and direction, you got to do something. You got to have something significant. You got you to try to make things move. It's very difficult. It's very difficult um, uh, to do. And uh, and that's what you need to know right now to watch. Now, another couple of things. Uh, let's talk about the debates. Um, you know, someone said uh, today I did an interview with an Indiana radio station talking about the debates. And they said, uh, well, what do you think is going to happen? I said, look, Joe Biden is still a big league ball player. Let me let me let me try to uh, try to describe what I mean as succinctly as I can. 
The reality is, if you're a U.S. senator for 40 plus years and in the U.S. senator plus uh, uh, vice president, you, you learn how to do things. You learn how to, to ask questions. You learn how to give a speech. You, you're not a, you, you know, you don't get away with it for decades by being, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of average. In fact, I often make the argument when you meet somebody who's like a CEO for 25 years, they're probably pretty good because if you survive as a CEO, you must have done okay and you get better and better and better at making decisions when you make decisions, which is what a CEO does. So a guy like Joe Biden, after 48 years or whatever it is in office, you put aside his policies, just put just say to yourself, does he know what he's doing? Of course he knows what he's doing. Of course he does. He, he's played big league ball at the highest level. And, and oh, let me finish that. Um, let me finish that analogy. If you ever go to this, a, a major league baseball game and you get brought down on the field, I've only been there a couple of times, but a couple of times there, I was always, mar- I always marvel to see the size of the players, the speed of them, how, how, you know, how quick their bat moves and how, how fast their, you know, everything is, they're just athletic at a high level. And I used to tell people the worst player on a major league roster, you know, the backup reserve is probably the best baseball player you've ever seen. If you make it to that level, you're that good. If you make it to be the nominee of a major political party, you've got talent. You're not dumb. Now, Biden may be diminished. He may make some mistakes that cost him the election. But I think at the debate, he's confident. I think he's right. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's going to be slow Joe and sort of, you know, he's going to be methodical. He's probably going to say some things that sound a little silly. He doesn't he knows it doesn't really matter. He knows it doesn't really change the dynamic for him if he can sustain himself. So I believe, and I think that's being held true now, three weeks from this Sunday, you're going to see uh, the 29th of September at Cleveland Clinic, which is funny that it's going to be at the hospital Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. Uh, they're going to have this debate, and I think Joe Biden will do fine. I really do. I don't think that's going to be the uh, anything dispositive. Oh, and let me set this up for you. Everybody says, well, Joe Biden is kind of feeble and feebled. And how do you do this? I will point you to the famous exchange, soon to be very famous. Remember, I told you because I'm sure it will get out there faster now that I put it out there. Someone else will say it and they'll pretend they thought it up themselves. In 1996, you may remember if you're old enough that uh, Bob Dole was very frail. He was kind of a frail old man, right? He, I mean, that's not really fair. I think he was 77, so he's the same age, or 73. I'm not sure even what he was. I'll have to look that up. But he, he looked, by comparison to Bill Clinton, the president, he looked pretty frail. And so in one of the debates, the question was asked of Bob Dole. Well, you know, are you too old for the presidency? And he had this answer about experience plus uh, intellect plus something. And it was it was Bob Dole. You know, it was it was, you know, years later, I met Bob Dole. He's a nice enough guy. I mean, again, big league ball player. You know, he had been injured in the war, World War Two, lost use of his arm, succeeded amazingly as a senator. You know, forget it. Put aside his politics. You know, he's, he's a winner, a, a, a big league player. And then Bill Clinton stepped up to the mic and he said, of course, he's not too old. He's not too old. Bob Dole's not too old. He, of course, he's not too old. Because the last thing you can do is mock the, the, the weak and mock the elderly. You can't do it. And so Trump can't mock Joe Biden's, you know, in, in, in person in a debate. He can't put him down that quite that way. Now, who knows what Trump will do? He probably will in some way. But what Bill Clinton went on to say is, you know, of course, he's not too old. I don't have any problem. He's not too old. It's his ideas that are too old that have passed us by. 
And that's the positioning that uh, that 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 um, that um, Donald Trump has to do. The, you know, the positioning is the ideas of these of these progressives, these far left. You know, Joe Biden is. You know, when, when he was younger, he had some positions that were okay. They, they they were more reasonable. They were within the mainstream of America when he was younger. They're all gone. That's all gone now. That's totally gone. That's nowhere to be found. And so that's what's gone. That's what's uh, that has what is what's changed. And I think if um, when when you see the two of them on a stage, I don't think that it will be a massive advantage to uh, to Trump. Again, I think that all the people that go in believing in Biden will believe in Biden, all the people going for Trump. And I don't think you'll get a sort of a magical moment. I just don't believe it. Um, I do think that if, if Trump handles it right, the energy level of the comparison of the two will make people think, huh, OK, I see the difference between these two and I can see one guy has got a vision. Remember uh, yesterday, two days ago, one of the speeches, uh, Trump is laying out his agenda for a second term. If it gets any coverage, we'll see. But he said, I'm going to get school choice for every parent in America. I've told you over and over again that the sleeper issue of this fall is how badly the schools are handling going back to school and how frustrated parents are. So suddenly the president is the one saying, I'll give every parent school choice. People are looking up and including, I think it was Josh Hawley who put in something, including homeschoolers. Hawley went to the White House and said, don't don't forget the homeschoolers. And so you're watching the American parent say, wait, somebody's on my side. It's going to make a huge difference. It's a huge difference. And uh, and that's uh, another part of the direction is the president is making uh, is making his second term agenda clearer in what he's doing. Oh, today, earlier today, he brought home troops from uh, announced the troop withdrawals from Afghanistan and Iraq. American people are like, OK, thank you. We, we want that directionally all going right all right that's what you need to know we got to take a break we come back we got a candidate for office a candidate jim DeBello, is running for congress in california's 52nd district he's a businessman we'll see what he says and also daniel oliver from the daily caller later talking about a piece he wrote uh that has had me really caught my attention i want to talk to him about about america's schools. so we'll take a break and be right back ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment this is the pro america report on the answer san diego well, welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Great to uh, welcome now a new guest to the program, Jim DeBello, who is a businessman, which sounds really good because he's running for Congress. And uh, the thing we need um, less of is we need less uh, professional politicians. So Jim DeBello, he's a businessman. He's got he's went to the Big East Coast hotshot schools, Harvard's got degrees, the right kind of things. But more importantly, started a business. And I like this the best has five patents. One of the things people I've told you on this program over and over that make it what makes America so different from the rest of the world is you you invent it, you get a patent, it's yours. It changed the whole direction it used to be if you invent it and you ask the king or the the dictator for permission to use it, they might give it to you. So uh, first of all, welcome Jim DeBello. And I got to tell you a secret here. I'd have never met anybody on the radio who was also a Rotary Scholar. I was also. I spent a year in Italy, and you spent a year where on your Rotary Scholarship? Well, hi, Ed. I did spend a year in Singapore, and it was terrific. Oh. Unbelievable organization. Yep. It is. Uh, uh, it is. And to give him a plug. The Prime Minister's it, son at the time, Lee wow. Hughes, was the uh, Prime Minister, and I had met his son while I was at uh, college. And uh, he invited me to stay huh. with him. He now is the prime minister, Lucy and Lung. So uh, we've remained close wow. through all these years. But what an experience! 
Yeah, I'd say, you know, and, and, and uh, t- we're talking with Jim DeBello, and by the way, his website, DeBello for Congress, uh, is DeBello for Congress.com. You know, my Rotary, people don't know, Rotary International has this extraordinary program where they basically they give uh, young graduates a, a year's stipend to go study overseas. You can study at any school, study languages, and it kind of immerses you in another culture. I was in Italy. I did not stay with the Prime Minister's son, but I did meet the Pope, so maybe it's we're getting closer uh, on some of these things. But I uh, all right, now, Jim. First of all, you got a big business. You got a business. You got all these things. You got a success, friends in high places. Why would you want to go and and get into the swamp? I, how is this a good idea? Well, I want to drain that swamp. And that's what we're all trying to do. Let me tell you, I'm running for Congress in the 52nd district. That district spans everywhere from Coronado at the southernmost point up through Point Loma and La Jolla, then through Mira Mesa, Sorrento Valley, Carmel Valley. Penasquitos, Tierra Santa, yeah. and finally Rancho Bernardo. So it's a big district. It's an important district. It's a district that accounts for over 50% of our economy here in San Diego County. And I think for the mm. 21st century, you want to have a person who's a technology entrepreneur like I am, who understands business, to help us with economic recovery and job building. That's job number one post-coronavirus. Well, and also, you know, I'm looking at this uh, your map here, and, and again, we're talking with Jim DeBello, and you should look up his website and get engaged, our San Diego listeners and those that are in uh, in other parts of the country. And, you know, another interesting detail is you've got, I think you've got, I don't know, University, uh, US, US, UCSD, Point Loma, I have a friend there, also University of San Diego, and maybe one of the community colleges, all in that district. So, you know, higher ed's going to be a challenge. Uh, but, Jim, I want to ask you this. Uh, you worked at Qualcomm. You were an inventor, technology, um, China. China, you know, China, 5G, China, what they're doing. I mean, how do we the president used the word decouple with China yesterday. He didn't say we're going to. He said people talk about decoupling. How bad do you think the threat of China is? I think we need to be tough, tough, tough on China. They respect the strength. They're just not used to it. Right. Uh, Think about when we (laughs) entered WTO with China back in the early 2000s. And uh, they were to comply with all the intellectual property protections and world trade uh, uh, procedures and regulations. And they've proven not to do that. Uh, Our IP, intellectual property, is being stolen. uh, Cybersecurity threats regularly. uh, Obviously, human rights violations. But more importantly, uh, how they intend to dominate the world uh, political stage. And as a free and democratic country that we are in America. We can't let a communist party do that. So we need to be tough. Now, we can't totally decouple. There's an interdependency, and it's a healthy one. Uh, But we need to be firm to protect our intellectual property and the rights of citizens around the world. Uh, you know, for those folks that are paying attention to these elections now, we're less than 60 days out. And again, we're talking with Jim DeBello and Jim, uh, his website is uh, is DeBelloCongress.com. I might have said that wrong at the beginning. DeBelloCongress.com. Go there and check it out. Uh, but, you know, here's the great thing about this is you get to this point in the race, you start to say to yourself, where's this go? This district is a D plus five or D plus six. And that that I ran for Congress, uh, Jim, in 2010 in a D plus. I think it was 12. And I lost by a point. 
point because the wave came and it was huge. D plus six, if the environment is right and the turnout is right. And one of the things in California, you got to challenge your neighbors is, hey, you may think that you can't um, beat back the uh, the Democrats in, in these, you know, up in L.A. and San Francisco for statewide for Trump or anything. But these are districts, that congressional districts can win. How, how, Jim, are you getting people out to vote? How do you motivate them to realize what's at stake? This is a winnable race. Uh, in fact, uh, in two sections ago, two cycles, Carl DeMaio was within two points of beating Scott Peters, who now is the four-time incumbent. So we believe this is highly winnable. We're making great progress. We are targeting the non-party preferred, the independently-minded voters who make up one-third, 33% of our district, who are disenchanted wow. with the rhetoric in Washington. Uh, they want to see things get done locally that are not being addressed by our current congressmen. They're frustrated. And I'm frustrated. That's why I joined this race. I left my company to join this race because I believe we need more action. We need our legislator locally to be on the soapbox to address and solve homelessness, to address and solve the border issues, and to address and solve the Tijuana sewage issue, which has been going on for decades. And so I think we need stronger leadership and more courageous leadership in the 21st century. And who better than a technology entrepreneur like me, who has actually run a business, built jobs, understands the economy, the new economy, and also the the threats and the risks of our global interactions with people like China and with Russia. If I could wish one thing, leveraging off of what you talked about with Rotary, is that all Americans could live abroad to see how great a country we have and how challenging it is to have independent freedom and liberty in other countries. And living in China like I did, even living in Singapore, uh, you certainly get a better appreciation for what we have here. We need to fight for it, and we need to keep on the straight and narrow. And that means supporting our police, our law of order, and helping this economy revive where it was before this pandemic began. Uh, we're talking with Jim DeBello, and uh, and Jim, I'm sure they, they taught you, you're a non-politician, but I tell you, you never say the name even of your opponent because you don't want to give them any, any attention. But tell me why the current in co- congressman, what, what, you know, what's the, I don't know, two bullet points for running him out of office? Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you his name. His name is Scott Peters, and Scott has been a career politician <laughs> his entire right. life. He began at the EPA, has had nothing but public sector jobs, never signed the front of a paycheck only received a government paycheck on the back. He endorsed it, right? So, you know, he hasn't had the experience, particularly needed now to rebuild this economy. He's not a technology-savvy individual with regard to understanding the risks that we have with identity theft, with privacy, with data protection, with cybersecurity. These are very, very important issues that I bring some skills and experience to the table when I joined the team in Washington. It's important. That we also have a global perspective. Scott Peters hasn't passed a single bill that he has authored in eight years that he's been in Congress, other than one, which was the naming of a courthouse downtown. Now, I could hire a marketing company for that. Why would we pay a guy over a million bucks in salary for basically very low productivity? He wouldn't last in the private sector, and he just kicks the can down the road. It's time for us to have a very vocal, very visible local congressional delegation. And I'm very proud to run for the seat, and I think I've got a good chance of uh, displacing him and winning it and representing the people of not only the 52nd District, but everyone in San Diego. Uh, Jim DeVello is who we're talking to. Jim, I think I looked in your bio when I was searching. Did you work for Peter Uberoth back in the day when you were a kid? Well, I sure did. Yeah, I was a 24-year-old assistant director of marketing for Peter. 
for the LA Olympic organizing oh, committee, which was one yeah, of the yeah. successful games ever. Yep. Yeah, there? yeah, and and that's why I was. Yeah, the, no, no, that's why. No, I just lo- I love baseball, and I remember as commissioner, I liked him as commissioner, and he was one of these. He's he, his name is kind of lost to us. He was one of these kind of uh, meteoric uh, kind of characters who did the Olympics. He baseball, he was stabilizing. He was very successful. Is he still around? And and did he endorse your campaign? Do you talk to him regularly? Oh, I do talk to him, and he is very supportive as well. And he is running the, the great golf course up in. Uh, Northern California, right? And, uh, oh. and so he's been very active uh, in the community cool. and in development. Now, Peter is a great uh, representative of the American dream, and the American dream is yeah. alive and well. Let no one tell you otherwise, yep. and I'm proof of that as well. I'm a tech entrepreneur with a track record of thinking outside the box practically, and that's what an entrepreneur does. We need more of those folks in Congress. So I do encourage yeah. people to go to developcongress.com. There's even a more favorite site, Ed, it's called donate to gym.com. <laughs> and, uh, <that> <laughs> even better, because, even better. Yeah, even Very better. Very good. We're really, uh, we're really interested uh, in winning this race. <laughs> I need to support good. and help from as many people as I can Rotarians, businessmen, people actually who are independent, and even Democrats for Debello. This is the time to make yeah. our voices heard. And I think our voices are not heard in Washington anymore. It's real important that we get representation who will uh, stand up, make courageous decisions, and help lead. Good deal. All right, Jim, i got to run, unfortunately. Again, it's Debello, uh, DebelloCongress.com. And what is it, Donate for Jim? Donate to Jim? Donate2Jim.com and DebelloCongress.com. Yep, you bet. I love that. I love it. All right. All right. Have us back. Have it come back on the show again. Keep us informed. I got to run. It's uh, Jim DeBello running for the 52nd Congressional District right down there in Southern California. Check him out. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I go over to DailyCaller.com quite a bit and check out their writing. And if you don't, you're missing something. There's a lot of good writing over there and stories, especially from the conservative perspective on what I call um, stuff you're not seeing. You know, you get Fox News or something, you see a lot of stuff that sort of follows the same rule. And over there is a writer named Daniel Oliver who uh, writes quite a bit. He's a contributor there. He wrote a piece recently, and he's on, on with us now, called Keeping Watch Over America's Schools. Daniel, welcome. And my first question is, do you think that the school in America are ready for the scrutiny they're about to get in the next six weeks? Uh, well, uh, first of all, it's good to be with you. Um, Thank you. Second, I hope they get a lot of scrutiny, um, and uh, <laughs> my guess is they are certainly not ready for it, or at least 98% of them are not ready for it, and I suspect many of them will not welcome it. Um, but the question is, uh, how do we gear up the parents, build a fire under the parents to demand the kind of uh, ability to scrutinize the teachers that they have basically have never had? Right. It is. Uh, it is. I, I, I keep telling people it's kind of the sleeper issue because I think and, and it's not a sleeper if you're paying attention, but a lot of people think, well, everybody's trying. No, look, in four or five weeks from right now, uh, every parent I know is is right now is uneasy with what's going on, even if they're paying for private school, even if they're in person. The whole thing is just very tense. And as that ramps up, you're going to see uh, people looking for someone to blame. They rarely blame themselves. <laughs> and well, so, Daniel, I- your piece, which. 
Go ahead. Yeah, please go. I, well, I think I think you're exactly right. Um, uh, they, they, they don't blame themselves, and in one sense, that's correct. They don't teach the students; the teachers teach them. But I think uh, my hope is that many of the parents will decide that they have been somewhat negligent in not um, focusing on what is being taught and uh, and and how and how it's being taught. And the point of my piece was that as a result of being locked down for so long and now the school is opened, parents will, in many cases, they will literally be looking over their children's shoulders, watching them on their laptops or their computer screens. And once they get the hang of looking over the children's shoulders and seeing what the teacher is saying, they may decide they don't want to give it up. And my hope is that's exactly what they'll say. They'll say, hey, wait a minute. We get a lot of information and a lot of control because knowledge is control. Um, knowledge leads right. to control. And they will see what the teachers are doing, and they will say, wait a minute. Um, we can do better than this. Um, let's put a camera in every classroom from now on so we can see what's happening. Obviously, they're not going to spend all day looking. Most people have to right. work and go to work, but, but it's there. And if it's there and you've got, I don't know, 25 people in a class or more, that means that there's some possibility that at least one person is watching, um, and mm-hmm. that person will then call around to the parents say no and say, what the H is happening here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and that's, and that, and that's the, if you like, is a blessing of, of the Chicom virus that we've been suffering under, that it may wake up parents and also remind them that we have the technology. It's very, very simple. Had the technology to allow parents We're talking with Daniel Oliver, and I should point out that he was, under President Reagan, he served as chairman of the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. He also is currently the chairman of the Board of Education and Research Institute uh, and a director of the Pacific Research Institute for Public Policy up in San Francisco. Uh, So, Daniel, I want to ask you this way. Um, I I think you're right. And I said earlier in the program, if if you're going to say, and I like this, I've come all the way to this. Let's have a body cam on every uh, cop, but run run it from the beginning, not just a little snippet that gets to be used to try to cause rioting in, in the case of, say, uh, uh, up in Minneapolis. In this case, can we envision a, you know, streaming into the classrooms, uh, you know, sort of coverage? And and who opposes it? I mean, who's who's up in arms saying, no, 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 don't let any parents see what our, we're teaching their kids? Who, who I know who it is, but I mean, explain to us the dynamic here. Well, it, um, to my knowledge, it hasn't been proposed yet. Uh, my column was the first time I saw it in print, so it's not a it's not a live issue yet. But my guess is um, that they will they will object mightily to being to to having parents be able to see what's happening. Uh, in the case I mentioned, which was um, uh, talked about in the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show, uh, a school in Tennessee sent. Um, forms home with the children to have the parents sign, promising they would never again look over their children's shoulders um, when they were, you know, when they were doing Zoom classes. Well, if I were a parent, I wouldn't sign it. But what, what are they going to do? Tell the child they can't can't look look in, and then they're going to send a truant officer around to arrest him because because uh, the school won't right, look right. because the parents haven't agreed not to look. I, even even in that one school we know of, the parent, the teacher said, wait a minute, you can't do this. My guess is that's a preview of coming attractions. 
and that right. if this if this became a popular idea, you'd have the teachers unions uh, raising holy hell in order uh, to <laughs> stop it. So, and that alone, in my book, makes the makes the project worthwhile. You know, again, we're talking with Daniel Oliver and uh, his pieces over at Daily Caller. We're referring to he's a contributor over there, and he's, he's, as I mentioned, all this other experience. Um, here's a little trick box. I feel like we're in is again. We said earlier, parents don't like to blame themselves, right? They say, "Well, I'm doing the best I can. I moved to a good school district," and they don't, and they don't really like to blame Mrs. McGillicuddy, the teacher. I think, although they may get there, they will start to blame the school board and the teachers' union. And is there a way, Daniel? And I've been saying this for a long time that the evil actor in this is the teachers unions they've been for for 30 years now they've been exploiting the system of of the union for their benefit and not for the benefit of either students or teachers to be honest but is there any way you see with your experience and some and some time under your you know time in your uh, under your belt on this that that the proper um blame the proper party could get the blame meaning by the time we're six months into this people are saying the teachers union screwed up inner city education they screwed up big city big uh, suburban district education they're the ones to blame or or do we get ourselves because it's like it's like um in the cities that are burning down right now they're all democrat mayors in the absolute worst school districts they're all democrat dominated school boards controlled by the teachers unions not maybe not totally but i don't know if we'll the right group or entity will get the blame will they well, I, I'm, I'm not sure it really matters. I think that uh, if parents start seeing, first of all, you don't need 100% of parents to watch. You probably need only about 3% of parents to sign on right. and, and see the incompetence or, or, uh, or, or not just incompetence, but maybe the teachers are teaching critical race theory or the New York uh-huh. Times 1619 project. And those are, those are two obvious uh, uh, sins the teachers will be committing. And I think if the parents have to that and the teachers resist it will get back to being a union issue pretty quickly but the union is in, in one sense an, an abstraction to mrs jones who is watching johnny in class being taught by right. mrs mrs teachers <laughs> so she will right. reject what mrs what the teacher is doing the teacher will then get the union to to try to support them and then you've got the fight that you may want but i think that in the beginning it's going to be the parent against a teacher and the parent complaining to the school board that the teacher is either no good um, or teaching stuff that is simply anti-America. And I, I mean, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for parents to be able yeah. to muscle in and take, take uh, command and do something about uh, much of education, which in this country, of course, is simply terrible. Yep, Daniel Oliver, it's an important uh, topic and a great piece. Um, Daniel, real quick, I just have like 25 seconds. Where could people go to find out more about what you're saying? What do you prefer? What, what sites do you recommend people look at? Is there one in particular? Um, no, um, the Heritage Foundation is always good. Um, okay. Uh, that's a good place to begin. I mean, in 20 seconds, there are okay. probably 10 or 15 yeah. minutes. But, uh, but, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get some more. But but we'll we'll have you back on again. It's a great topic. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll recircle back. So thank you. Sorry to run out of time. But great. Daniel Oliver, everybody, we'll put it up on social media. And we'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Compromise has a rich history in American politics. 
but conservatives need to know that leftists will never be satisfied. As soon as President Trump took office, liberals suddenly decided monuments and statues of Confederate soldiers are racist. Many of these monuments had been standing for generations, but no one seemed to find the alleged racism when Barack Obama was president. The mob continues to depose statues of other great historical figures, including George Washington, father of our nation, Francis Scott Key, author of the National Anthem, Father Junipero Serra, the humble Franciscan friar who brought Christianity to California, and even Christopher Columbus, who started it all in America in 1492. The victims of this outbreak of anarchism were not promoters of slavery. Teddy Roosevelt, for example, was born in New York City merely two years before the Civil War started. But Democrats have agreed to remove a remarkable statue of him outside its famed American Museum of Natural History. Thomas Jefferson, meanwhile, was the man who penned the revolutionary phrase, all men are created equal in our great Declaration of Independence. Jefferson's words were instrumental in ending slavery. Ironically, it was white leftists in Portland, Oregon, who used an axe to tear down a statue of Jefferson. Portland is one of the least diverse cities in the nation, yet it has the audacity to accuse great Americans of racism. This is not really about a sculpture or a monument, of course. It's an attempt to make America the laughing stock of the world. It's about making the next generation of Americans ashamed of their history, so they'll turn to leftist fairy tales rather than embracing the rich faith of our founding fathers. Smashing statues is a very physical manifestation of the dark forces that want to destroy our nation from the foundation upward. If patriots want to continue a legacy of faith, family, and freedom, we must take the title conservative seriously. We have to conserve our history, embracing the good and learning from the bad. Honoring history is a critical part of who we are as Americans. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, I'm reminded to tell you, again, it's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. I forgot to tell you, uh, we're having an event in a couple of weeks, and I want you guys to get a chance to tune in. Uh, every year in September, we have what's called Eagle Council, Phyllis Schlafly's Eagle Council, and that's a gathering of all conservative activists. We come in, we kind of, we, I tell people, we fortify and fellowship. We come in and strengthen ourselves on the arguments, the issues, the training, and then we also fellowship with uh, good people that are together being encouraged and so this year because it was supposed to be in washington dc the, the the chaos of the covid and the silliness of the mayor we delayed it it's going to be in late january early february but we're going to have next week on, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, September 19th, 20th, and 21st, excuse me, 20th, 21st, and 22nd, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 4 to 8 p.m. East Coast time, streaming from the, uh, the Washington, D.C. headquarters of uh, Phyllis Schlafly's Eagles, we're going to have what's called the Eagle Countdown. Eagle Countdown. We're going to highlight in the last days of the election cycle here, the Trump-Pence promises kept. 
Trump, Pence, promises kept. My argument is I don't think there's ever been a president who has actually kept as many promises as this president has kept. So you're going to want to tune in and, and, and you can go to Eagle Council. Excuse me. Um, you can go to uh, Phyllis dot com. I'll get the the uh, website uh, and you can get uh, checked in on that. It's going to be really fun. So uh, stay tuned. I'll make sure to remind you. And uh, let me let me as we finish up, I want to cover uh, one issue that I mentioned to you. And I told you it's going to be an issue, and I'm bringing it back up because it's going to become more and more of an issue. A lengthy piece in the New York Times, okay? New York Times covers uh, the, a piece is on the, uh, in the sports section, and it's on what? Penn State football. It's on Penn State football, and what it covers is last weekend was supposed to be the opening of Penn State football, and because the Big Ten Conference has canceled their season, the article is about how uh, uh, the uh, the Penn State community all around it is... Um, it's called State College, Pennsylvania is the town, is kind of slow and quiet because they usually have football games. Now, buried at the end of the story is a detail that the football uh, is a hundred million dollars brings a hundred million dollars to Penn state. Now that's a lot of money and a lot of money that funds other school, other sports and all kinds of other things. But you read that piece and I'm just telling you now, I'm reminding you again that you are going to be in for a, as this, as the fall goes on every weekend, there will be a reminder that the, the college presidents in the big 10 and the leadership in their States couldn't figure out how to play football other universities of which you know uh, that that places like penn state and ohio state and university of michigan and michigan state and uh, iowa all believe that they're at least competitive if not better than these other schools in every way they're gonna be playing football and I'm just, I keep telling you, all across that heartland, the people are looking up and they're saying, there's one party that's saying, fight, 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 get back to normal as much as we can, respect the disease, but figure out how to do it, especially when you got hundreds of millions of dollars coming in and the university presidents make five, six million dollars a year. You can't figure out how to play football. I don't think I don't think that's going to go over well. I think you're going to see more and more people angry, disgusted, uh, frustrated. And it's going to have an impact. So we'll see what happens. That's uh, in the uh, in the New York Times. And I'll put that up on social media so you can take a look at that piece. It is behind a paywall. I'll figure out how to uh, uh, get that to you. Maybe I'll post much of it on the uh, on the um, uh, on, our, on my website. Go over to uh, ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. All right. Uh, one more follow-up on that piece that uh, we just talked to Daniel Oliver a few minutes ago. Uh, that is um, piece is the title of it, which I botched in the interview, is, is uh, Keeping Watch over America's schools. It's the dailycaller.com. And uh, in this case, one of the things that we've all been talking about, and I want to see more of it, is let's go ahead and put the camera, run the camera on all these things. I'm for it now. I, I always was, I think, but let's make it, if it's, if it's run the, run the, um, run the body cam on all these law enforcement that have to deal with these lunatics and let them all see what they act like. Because you didn't, the, the media manipulated Michael Brown and the death of Michael Brown in such a way that we never got to hear the truth because there was no cameras and the media manipulated it, made it sound like one thing. Let's just run the cameras. Let's run the cameras on the school and here is the money shot. The, the one I'm going to tell you that is the most important thing I'll tell you on this. Let's run the cameras all the time on body cams for cops. Let's run them in schools so we can see what the schools are teaching. But here's the one. Let's run them. Let's run cameras in all the election authorities. 
wherever they're going to be counting hundreds, thousands of mail-in ballots, let's go ahead and see what the status is, what, what is happening in these places where they're counting all these ballots. Why not? I tell you, in, I, I, I can tell you, when I ran the election, I was the chairman of the Board of Elections in the city of St. Louis. And cities all Democrats. I was a Republican commissioner. I was the chairman of the committee. We made every decision by consensus. We had Democrats and Republicans on that committee, on the, on the Board of Elections. We made every decision by consensus. We never voted out our Democrat guy. We, we, various times we had two, and sometimes we had one. We never over, voted over each other. We did that. I don't, I don't know whether nowadays, if any jurisdiction allows cameras to run, but they should. In fact, the federal government should, the Congress should put in one of these bills, say, there's money if you need it. We're just going to get a camera. We're going to get a phone, and we'll stream it live. Because the best you know, the best thing to get rid of, 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 of cockroaches or crime is more transparency and more sunlight. Let the sun shine in. Let the sun shine in. Let's see. Let's see what's going on in these jurisdictions. Make a huge difference. All right. That's my point. That's a good one, by the way. We're going to come back to that. I'm going to see if I can get Hans von Spakowski on and see what he says uh, and talk more about that. All right. Um, the... Um, uh, we uh, are. Let's wrap things up here. I want to thank you as always. Uh, please um, uh, be, be in touch. Uh, go to proamericareport.com. Go through the website there. Send me emails, uh, text, follow me on at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And uh, thank you as always to Noah, our technical director, and for Joanna helping book things. We'll be back tomorrow night. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thanks for listening. <laughs>